You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their line of Pro Studio headphones and microphones, as well as the TM2 in your monitor measurement coupler at audix-usa.com. RCF, manufacturer of professional line array, subwoofer, and loudspeaker systems, as well as portable sound solutions and audio tools for your production studio. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection drives the design of every product. Visit RCF at rcf-usa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. Food for thought. There is no egg and eggplant, not ham and hamburger, neither apple or pine and pineapple. English muffins weren't invented in England or French fries in France. What a world we live in. I wish I Welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast. My name is Kyle Chernside. I'm joined by Sam Boone, Michael Lawrence, and Chris Leonard. Maybe you've heard of us, maybe hey. you haven't. Maybe this is your first time, maybe this is your last. <laughs> Definitely last. It's everybody's last until the next episode comes out, at least, right? <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I've been doing a lot of riddles. Uh, Kemper will come to me with dad jokes, and i got to remember them, or she'll get me like two or three times. So... Um, I tell you a pizza joke, but it's way too cheesy. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Someone's got a bad guy now. Dad life over here. I get it. I totally get it. Uh, so how's so everybody doing? I re- Good. I rearranged my, my, my podcasting space, and my microphone's on my left side, and it's really throwing me off. <laughs> Whoa. I'm, Careful, I'm in a hotel room. Crazy. I'm in, uh, I'm in San Francisco uh, for Outside Heard Lights Festival, so I apologize for the built-in microphone and any various hotel room noises that may be occurring. But uh, you get to be uh, SPL police again, right? Yes, yes, we are the noise police. Me and uh, Jamie and Gavin are out here for oh a week. heavy hitters um, this time, <laughs> and should, uh, see a couple of friends. A couple of friends of the show are going to be out here, so hopefully we'll get some. Some nice photos. Oh, you got, you, you got, you got your stickers to give away? Maybe go to Alcatraz. Uh, you know what? Maybe I, have some dude, sushi. I, the vendors supply all the stuff. We were just there like oversee and, and kind of coordinate and answer questions and stuff. So I actually didn't even bring a Peli. And I feel like it's feel like walking through the airport naked going to a gig without a Peli. Oh, just have you, my backpack so you didn't on. bring stickers? You didn't bring I, stickers I to have, give away? I have stickers? like – all right, easy, everyone. They're in my pelly. I didn't bring my pelly. I brought a computer and like socks, and you know that's basically it. I'm sorry. I'm sure, there was room. I'm sure, there was room. Just a few stickers. Is this, I, and I will is say this: Burning I, Man. What, are you not wearing any clothes? I don't. What's, anyway, he's not wearing clothes. Coachella, Coachella. was a pantsless festival. He's, he's yeah. got he's got chaps. He's got chaps, and that's it. I have assless chaps. I, I I'm gonna I'll, get I'll say this. I. I gave some stickers to Jason from Train, and he's been sending us pictures of him sticking everywhere, which is hilarious. Uh, Amazing. So so Merritt Booth, 
Merritt Booth is on tour with a uh, uh, Encanto, Disney Encanto, and and he totally found one. So, but not only does Jason Moore has been uh, graffitiing places with our stickers, but he also leaves this tiny little baby, like a like a like a little miniature little, little baby, baby, also classic baby. Uh, and so that's how instantly when I saw it, I'm like, well, that's definitely the handiwork of uh, Jason Moore. And, so thank and you. And by the Find way, it. I've seen him, I've seen him mix that show four or five times now and it always sounds incredible it's just a Kyle you went you went to the show what'd you think man it was great man it was right? like so good Kemper, Kemper and I danced the entire time I went down I said hello I dropped off some stickers we adjourned to the lawn to make fools out of ourselves for about a half hour and then we walked down to front of house and it was it was great his tech was great everybody at front of house was super nice i hate doing that you know what i mean like standing behind it's one of those those untold things like you don't ask for pics or set lists or pictures or whatever but i got a picture with jason it was fun um i i gave away some more stickers in dallas this last weekend which i was super nice. happy the uh head of audio for at&t stadium came by and goes hey so-and-so said to come and find you and say hello and i was like no way from what and he was like oh from the podcast he said you're gonna be here working blah 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 so i gave him a uh, shout out to the house crew that i worked with uh, all my stage hands from rhino they were wicked had fun um they learned a lot i learned a lot got some stickers out there so maybe i don't know Maybe the Cowboys will win this year. Did you, did you wow them with your with your abs, with your toned abs? Were you showing oh it off? Oh, my God. No, I didn't take my shirt off there at all. <laughs> In the hotel room. Kyle, I would, I would buy the Kyle Turnside like, calendar. I'm just saying, dude. It, it, you're looking great, man. You should be proud hey, of here, it. Here, here's the story. Be soon we, we, we've been going over it, and, and we'll get to our guests here in a second. But, like, physically, I am a beast right now. Mentally... I am a yes. wreck. So it's about that balance. <laughs> so I, but I, I will tell you this. Being more physical, I'm eating a lot better, and it's making me think a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. I still have trouble counting, as we found out on mm-hmm. the last podcast I was on. It was uh, four instead of three. But physical, intellectual, <laughs> emotional, spiritual, those things have to be in line for you to get shit going. And the the eyes, the P is good. The eyes aren't so good. So, uh, uh, yes. who booked who booked this? Sam. Sam, did you book this? That would be me. Yeah. All right, set it up, Sam. I have friends too, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. Not what I meant. <laughs> What's up, though? So today, uh, oh, wait, so because you weren't at, you weren't here when he was here before, right? Yeah. Oh. oh okay. All right. Yeah. So he had a blast, by the way. I know. I listened to it. And I said, "Man, that was so much fun. I want to do that." So now I'm. I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, awesome. No, awesome. So today we are joined by Dan McLaughlin, and he is a super badass RF tech, just all around killer audio dude. You do like 17 million jobs all the time. Every time I talk to you, you've picked up a new skill set, um, which is something I want to talk about because it's just. You're insane, dude. He's just a powerhouse of an audio tech. So welcome to the Signalworks Podcast, Dan. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. See, we can say welcome, welcome, welcome back. back. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess right. the cool kid the cool kids would say I'm a long time listener, second time caller. Ooh. There you go. Hey. There you go. So thank yeah. you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I will go ahead and put it out there because I know it's gonna be in the comments, but the Luke Combs audio crew episode 
hit hard because we brought on everybody pretty much well not everybody but we brought on the three dogs from the luke combs crew and that was a cool episode you guys you guys have sparred other episodes which we're going to have some other audio crews coming on here on the calendar um and we became friends we're like bros now homies yeah it was one of those things where we like met on the internet and then all of a sudden it's like i feel like i've known this guy my whole life even though we've only hung out in it was real all the life, pro like series twice. instructional videos that's where you got it from yeah, it, I learned the pro series. I think before you did those videos, so it was a, it was a long time ago that wow. I had to figure that console out without the help of Kyle Turnside, which it would have been a lot easier if you had been around in that time. I but, I learned um, from Kyle Turnside. Me too. Nice. So weird. Nice. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, that was <laughs> fun. That last episode was great. We uh, other than not getting Todd's mic to work, which felt like a big old failure on my part, uh, everything else was was really well. You had Went one really job, well. man. I had one job, and <laughs> it's not I like the tech or anything. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it was Zeus's interface, so I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it oh, on yeah. him. It's oh, funny because y'all, y'all, y'all were like, yeah, y'all were like shoulder like a form. vocal vocal booth or something like that. When you Dude, guys we were, were in this tiny little back like. It's not a backstage room because this isn't like a venue, but it felt like one of those. It's like a a rehearsal place that just has one small little like get ready with cool lights room for the artist if they're going to do any sort of like taping or anything like that. And so we were all on stealth chairs like smashed into each other. But (laughs) it was was pretty cool when you guys actually brought Sam in to do this because Sam had worked in the shop with us for Luke Combs stuff at SES before she started doing this that's cool and so it was kind of like ah i was messaging with her back and forth about some stuff on instagram and i was like oh you weren't there for that last one that that'd be fun to talk to you again and i was just kind of throwing that out there and didn't think you guys would go for it so that's kind of cool <laughs> i was like bet <laughs> so here we are yeah. We will always no, take was... the path of least resistance here at the Signal Noise Podcast. So rather than like try to woo a new guest and seduce them, we just be like, hit redial, spin the wheel, <laughs> so we can get back here. Well, that's what happened the first time is Kyle asked me, he's like, hey, man, you want to be on it? And I'm like, me by myself? Really? How do I get these other dudes? And they're like, yeah, cool. And I was like, okay, sweet. Now, because... I talk a lot, and Zeus talks a lot, and Todd doesn't talk a lot. But it was like, hey, at least between two of us, we can cover enough content. I want to I wanna do something untraditional. I don't know. Maybe the word is atraditional. Sam, I want to start this with your question that you usually ask at the end. Oh, and real quick, before you do that, Kyle, you need Whoa. to prepare a question. So. Be, uh, yeah. Because we, you've been called out in somewhere, Discord, Discord. Facebook, yeah, somewhere, Discord. and yeah, was somewhere like, hey, can out. can Kyle please have a closing question like Michael and Chris and Sam have? So, Kyle, your your job through this episode is to think of your new reoccurring end of the episode question. You have 40 minutes gotcha. to think of it, buddy. <laughs> at minimum. So, Sam, I want, to start, I want to start with what you usually ask at the end because that's kind of where I want to kick off from, I think. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, Dan, what do you wish you knew when you first started? And I may have actually asked you this when we met. Um, Because I was, so for context, everybody, I was their prep tech. I think the generation, either the generation you guys had of that rig on the podcast or the one before. Um, Yeah, it was like the end of either going into fall of 2019 or going into the start of 2020 when we had to 
add a bunch yeah. of gear and reprep and stuff. So it was yeah. at least a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was a baby. Yeah, that was one of the first rigs I got to prep top to bottom with every engineer and tech that came in, which was really, really Yeah, that cool was cool. And that was like, oh, hey, this is Sam. She works in the shop and she's been like nominated for a Grammy. And we're like, oh, cool. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I heard Jason threw me under the bus on that one. I was like, oh, gee, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I love that guy. If you haven't updated your console when you're at SES and Jason is there, you will update your console when Jason Whether is you, there. Yes. Michael, strongly, Michael's strongly new recommend. quote. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so what do I wish I knew? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I guess just off the top of my head, it would have to be that you don't have to like know everything and that it's okay to not know everything. It's just yeah. not okay to say, no, I don't want to know and I'm not going to figure it out. Yeah. You know, it's like, like, that's my shit. Yeah. I man. mean, that's how, that's how actually I kind of met Kyle was through some introspective Instagram messaging. And then Sam and I have talked about that too. Um, but just the idea of like this whole industry is very much a like make it up as you go. Like I got hired to be the RF guy on the Luke Combs tour when the production manager said, Hey, we have like a backline job open and we have an RF job open. And I was like, Hey, we should combine those and I'll do that. And he's like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's only like 12 channels of RF. And I'm like, I can do that with my eyes closed. That's easy. That's no problem. And we're now in stadiums and I'm doing 80. So it's a little, you know, and, and, and all of that has come from, okay, I don't know something I'm getting on the internet or I'm talking to a plethora of helpful people that I'm lucky to have some contacts with and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me figure out how to do this? Or, hey, I think I have an idea. Is this right? And they're like, yeah, you're 80% of the way there. Try it like this. And and that's just the thing. It's like I when I started this, I was like, man, if I don't know something, people are going to find out. And then I'm going to get fired or people aren't going to like me or they're going to say that guy's not that guy's not good at this because he doesn't know the answer to everything right off the bat. And for me, that's been like, Working for Luke, he's not that way at all. From the top down, it's just kind of like, hey, man, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. He's like, okay, great, cool. And our project production manager is like, okay, great, cool. You know, like, let me know as soon as you can. And 15 years ago, I would have been, like, sweating. Like, am I going home? Am I going home? Am I going home? Like, <laughs> really afraid of that. And now that's, you know, I guess that depends what camp you're in, but in where in my current circumstance, it works really well. So yeah, I would say that it's okay to not know everything. I love it. I actually have sort of two comments I want to make. The first is a, is a story about a gig I did recently. I had to go sub for an SE. Uh, there were three shows out of the tour that the SE couldn't make. So I went to fill in and I didn't really have virtually any information ahead of time about the rig or how it was cabled, or how it was driven. And I mean, like, literally, they were like, how many subwoofers do you want? And I was like, just let's see how many are on the truck. Like, I didn't know even how many boxes there were, anything. Um, And also, a different set of speakers had been rented in for that particular venue than what the tour was carrying, so that we had to adapt all the touring harnesses to the new rentals. And it was just kind of a very crazy morning. And I had a, a PA tech who also was his first day with this rig, and two hands. And so we kind of huddled at 8 a.m. and said, we don't know what's going to be on this truck and we don't know what's going to be in these in these looms and we're going to work together and figure it out. And if you think you've got an insight, let us know. If you think you've got a 
better way to do it, let us know. It was not one of those situations where you could go in and act like you knew everything because it wouldn't have got done. Um, and everybody, all four of us had the humility to just go like, we don't know what's going on here, but we're going to figure it out. And we're going to try to do as much as we can without bothering the PM. Um, and we did it and we had a great show and, and, uh, everybody was cool. And there was one thing we screwed up and we had to redo it. And I absolutely hate having people redo work. It drives me nuts. I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but we, we, you know, we need to fix it. And they're like, nope, you're cool. So we'll do it all day. And I was like, well, that's really kind. And, and so we had a good time. So I think that was the sort of price of admission of that gig was exactly what you're talking about, Dan, which is, Hey, I don't know what's happening here, but let's work together and figure it out. Um, the other thing was something that kind of has been floating around in my head lately because I've been writing a book about this particular idea, but we'd love to talk about details and nitty gritty and very, very specific, highly technical bits. And it's fun, but the stuff 98% of the time that we actually need to do the job and do it well and solve the problems and get results is the basics, the fundamentals, the absolute 101 level stuff. That's what gets overlooked. That's what gets mm -hmm. forgotten. That's what causes problems when people forget about it. So I also think maybe you're going to go do a gig and you're going to learn some stuff. But if you know your fundamentals and you understand the basics of what you're doing and just the simple con conceptual building blocks of it, I think you're going to have a lot more success than you might think. And you can have some comfort in the fact that you know the fundamentals and you know the concepts and that will allow you to navigate unknowns when they come up. Yeah, um, I got I got into this industry loving music. You know, I mean, like a lot of people, that's kind of like, that's the thing. It's like at the end of the day, I leave knowing I've done something technical and proud of that. But at the end of the day is like, if people walk out of that, I guess now for a stadium, which is just wild, like like singing the songs and be, like nothing went wrong and they loved it and they had fun. It's like for me, all the technical stuff is really cool in my head. Like I, it's cool to wrap my head around it. And I grew up, my dad's a, a surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic who trains residents and so teaches people, you know, <laughs> while bodies nice. are open on tables, hey, here's how you do this thing. And he taught me growing up just like every day is an opportunity to learn something new. So like half the time when I get my per diem envelopes, they're instead of labeled Dan, they're labeled Captain Questions. <laughs> but our, T, our TM makes fun of me for that, like as a joke. But for real, it's like I try to not bother people. But at the same time, it's like I want to get better every day. If I like go to bed having learned one thing that I didn't know the day before, then then it was a good day. And, and I'm just a little better than the day I was before. Has it taken you some time to come to that place where you obviously you seem content with that and comfortable with that. Um, a lot of people really struggle with, yeah, but I don't know as much as so-and-so and they're insecure because they're sort of comparing themselves to other people's perceived level of knowledge or expertise. Whereas my usual response to that is it's not a competition. You should be comparing yourself to yourself from yesterday and moving forward. And if you're learning and you're moving forward and progressing for your own sake, then you can feel <laughs> good about that because you're yeah. you know, a lot of people aren't progressing at all and they don't care to. Yeah, I mean that last sentence w that I just said is not. Uh, I guess it's it's true every day, but it's I have to like convince myself that it's mm. okay. 
sometimes. Like most of the time I'm pretty cool with it. Like, hey, you know, I didn't know something. I figured it out and then we moved on. And other times it's like, oh man, I bet blah, blah, blah knew this already. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, that's every single person who does this. I just have to remind myself over and over and over again. Like they didn't like pop out or they didn't graduate high school at 18. Like I know everything about how all of this stuff works. I mean, I mean, you would know better than me, Michael, like the line array has been around for not that long. So everyone who's a line array master isn't, you know, they haven't been a line array master for 30 years. Some of, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's taken time and this is all a development thing. Yeah. And so uh, no, in my yeah, head, cool. I kind of look at it that way. Like some days I've, if I feel like a failure, it's, I have to just remind myself or ask other people to, Hey, or my wife, like, Hey, please tell me I'm not bad at this. You know, <laughs> like that, that sort of thing. But, uh, most, yeah, most of the that. time it's, yeah, yeah, I think it's the natural human condition and there's pluses and minuses to, to that, I guess. That's why we reach to each other is for that granule of, of, hey, man, it's fine. Because sometimes on the show site, there's one or two things that you can't put behind you. And, and they'll drive you nuts all day until the end of the day until you can breathe, walk away from it, and go, hey, man, that thing, why is that still bothering me? And it's always the question why that stops you from moving forward. Um it, I love Michael's question because it applies so much because there is a lot of time now that we're going out to fill in on things and information is, is limited and it's quick and it's a quick replacement. Like if someone gets sick with COVID, like you're literally on a flight two days later to go Mm -hmm. fill in something. Um, You know, some of these people have been doing these shows for, you know, 13, 15, eight years, you know? So Mm -hmm. in, in your respective, uh, they might not be experts, but they're experts at that show and, and you're coming in, you know, to save it. It's a, it's an awkward situation. You can't stop yourselves with the wise, but thank goodness we have each other to kind of reassure us that the wise were okay. You can, you can leave those behind and go to tomorrow and let's go. Yeah, and, for sure. I'm filling in than yesterday. Yeah, for sure. I'm filling in for a buddy for the next two weekends with a, an artist called crowder it's a christian artist oh yeah but we're doing we're doing three three eights and clang and i've never done clang before and the guy that i texted who i'm filling in for was actually like oh hey your monitor engineer on luke he taught me everything i know about clang so i called zeus i was like hey how does this work how does that work because he's got it installed but not like implemented yet he's been kind of testing it and going through it and i'm like okay so tomorrow i go to the shop and flip a desk and page around and make sure I can wrap my head around it. And I've got a macro built that turns it off if something goes wrong and just collapses everything back down to stereo. And then I fly out Friday and I do shows and then I do the next weekend and then I come home and it's like, okay, I know Digico and I know the protocol of how this clang stuff talks. So in theory, it all makes sense, but I'm going to go put my hands on it. And kind of like I was saying before, you just say, yeah, I don't necessarily know that, but I know enough of how this stuff works to kind of figure it out. And that might in the moment feel like a fake, but in my head, I'm like, kind of like, no, I'm, I'm just going to go do the thing and I'm going <laughs> to figure it out. And I'll tell you like right off the bat, the guy who asked me to fill in, I was like, I know everything but this, but I know how it works. And I've read all the manuals and I've watched all the videos and I get it. 
I've just not put my hands on it other than a trade show. And he's like, okay, cool. You'll be fine. It's like, all right, here we go. The fire is the best place to learn. So question from, from that statement, obviously you're going to be jumping onto a show file that's already kind of there, right? Yeah. It's, and it's fully dialed. So how does, and I want to ask everyone this question, obviously in these fill in relief things, quick leaving with not much notice, how bad does it drive everyone crazy about the the previous show file thing? I mean, as a digital console guy who used to do education, the setup and getting the desk up and going to where you're actually mixing is the hardest part. So if that's fairly well done for you, how do you feel about jumping into a, another person's show file? It depends on why it is you're jumping in and what the situation was before. Meaning, if someone just got fired and things weren't going well, um, then part of that may have been may have been in their approach, or might just been who they are. Um, if the reason you're filling in is just simply because of health or whatever or commitments, and you're just filling in and you're walking in and everything's fully copacetic, and the engineer understands that, hey, uh, I'm sorry, the artist understands that, hey, this is a fill in. I'm going to roll with it. I I have the comfortability of knowing that this 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 scene and or scenes on this console were built by my my person, and you're there just to maintain that. Um, then you're good, right? So a lot of it has to do with that artist expectation of what's, you know, why, why are you coming in? Are you coming in to potentially be the long haul person? So that is the crux, regardless of the layout, how good it is, all those things. I also would say, hearing Chris say that, that is the answer I would give if I'm a monitor engineer, which is what oh, I'm doing okay. on this show. Yeah. Uh, what no, end I, of the that snake was a, you're for, on? For record, that was the preface that, or the <laughs> context that I was coming I, I from. I kind of saw like the wheels <laughs> turning in your head. Like that's probably where he's like. So my my thought is like, if I'm coming in to fill in for someone for front of house, because I do both. I I actually prefer monitors. I'm kind of weird that way, but I I do both, and I love both, and I enjoy it. Um, if I'm coming into front of house, like there's something about my workflow, the way that I've just always set desks up, the way that I group things in a certain way and blah, 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 Sonic all that signature. sort of stuff. What what effects I have that like I can get somewhere quickly makes sense. And I'll, I would prefer to do it that way for myself, even if there is an existing show file. Monitors, again, like layout still matters and that sort of thing. But if everything's already like, pretty pre-dialed and like you said people aren't fired and that's not why they're leaving it's like just like for me subbing in for a buddy it's like you better believe i'm not gonna go like changing a bunch of stuff for him unless which this guy's really good so i doubt this is the case but unless i show up and they're like hey man like we've just been kind of struggling with this for the last couple weeks i'm like cool i'll dive in i'll see what i can do tell me if you like it's like the the eye doctor a or b a or b, you know like that sort of thing like which which one do you like better sort of thing um but for the most part, like monitors, especially like for most people, like it's all ears these days. I know it's not everybody, but like the tours I'm on, it's like we don't have wedges. We don't have side fills. Like that's just kind of what it is. And so you're not you're dealing with some room change in in overhead mics and in audience mics and that sort of thing. But a lot of your direct sounds aren't really changing. So if it's dialed and they like it, I'm not going to like reinvent the wheel. But I also know some guys treat their show file as like, hey, this is my intellectual property. And if I walk away from a gig or I get fired, you better believe 
I am taking that with me. Like the desk gets zeroed and it's like some people do that. I probably wouldn't, but some people do and that's their choice, you know. I the artist I mix front of house for right now, which is a rarity for me, I inherited the show file. And ghost, it was a situation right? where no, I, I uh, I'm SE oh. for ghost. Um this is a situation where the artist is happy with the way the artist sounds. Management's happy with the way the show sounds. It's just a bandwidth thing. Is front of house is also TM and couldn't do a good job of both. And it was like, well, you, Michael, you're there. You know the show. You you know the artist knows you, and you can just mix it. Um, and I never like actually agreed to it. <laughs> I just ended up mixing one day, and, and uh, then it was just like, well, you mix now. I was like, oh, okay. Um, that was actually something I thought a lot about because there is no reason for a change in the sound. Everybody's happy. So in that sense, if you just keep the show sounding the way it sounds, you're going to have success. But at the same time, there were two things. Number one is it was a, it's a great sounding show. It's just not, it's not my mix. And over time I wanted to just find ways to make it my mix, you know, my interpretation of it. Um, But the more important thing was it wasn't my file and I couldn't find anything. And so there's a lot of inserts and a lot of busing and, and um, the first couple shows, it was a struggle to like, Oh, guitar solo. Like, where's that guitar? Fi-? Like things were grouped in a way that was logical for the other person and not necessarily a way that was logical to me. And like you said, Dan, we all have our own way of laying out the desk and how we want to see things. And I think the fourth show, I got sick of it and I went into the venue like four hours early and I powered my desk on and I, saved everything and backed it up twice and then said, all right, and just rebuilt all the layouts and all the labeling and all the coloring and everything. I didn't change anything at all about the processing. I just relayed out the entire console. And that was the best show that I had because I could find things and, you know, focus on the show and watching the artist and listening to it and not hunting around the console things so part of it for me was getting enough of your physical bearings right that you are not distracted from the the actual sound of the mix um yeah and i I think a lot of that has to do with the idea that um it's the marriage of the whole technical and musical and at the end of the day like we are there to make music unless you're in a position on the tour to do things more technically like Zeus and I, so Zeus is the monitor engineer on Luke and I'm the RF monitor tech and also do drums. Uh, And so the way Zeus and I have kind of like, we've known each other for 16 years or 17 years or something. So a long time we've been friends and we've kind of set it up where it's like, all right, Zeus knows everything technical, but like we're having Zeus get paid to focus on music and Dan is going to focus on technology. And if, if I get stuck, I can ask Zeus and, if he gets stuck, he can ask me and we work it out together, that sort of thing. But the idea is like he gets to focus on music while I fix on or work on like fixing things or making sure that it's the most smooth that it can be and, you know, all, all that sort of thing. So the idea that we can take time to set up a desk, it's something as basic as laying out faders or, you know, whatever. Um, the reason for that isn't to be stingy. The reason for that is like, I want to be able to grab this thing fast and just keep making music. I don't want to have to like page through things and think about technology while I'm making music. 
And there's also, um, I mean, I'm going to compare it to a missed pickup in, when you're mixing musical theater. If you can't find something in time and you miss it, it can knock you off your game. And then you're going to miss the next thing because you were freaked out about the last thing. And in rock and roll, maybe not so much, but in musical theater, like by the time you regain your cool, you, you may 12 lines later, like that shit moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. So part of that for me was being able to mentally stay in the zone and not get flustered because I know there's a drum fill coming up that I'm supposed to push and I can't find the right thing. So um, part of it for me was sort of removing um, mental noise and just increasing the bandwidth of my mind that could focus on the show. So um, that was try to, to try to make it an evolution, I think. But the other thing is inheriting a show file from yourself, right? There was a band locally that I mixed for quite some four or five years and every couple of months I would just start over with a show file. Um, three times I was forced to because they changed consoles. Um, and then what I realized is every time they would change console, they would go, Oh, Mikey, they'd call me Mikey. Oh, Mikey. It sounds, it sounds really, you know, I'm glad we got this new desk. It sounds better. And I realized it wasn't the sound of the desk. It was the fact that I rebuilt their file, incorporating all the stuff that I had learned since the last time I, I built the file. And so then I, even though they were stabilized on the same console, I would, just rebuild it again. And every time they go, Oh, it sounds better. And it's because it was iterative and I was learning and I was adapting things. And it wasn't because we were necessarily changing technology. So I remember when we had Chris Mitchell on the show, he said he takes the Umphreys file once a year and just wipes it and starts over. And every time I go to see Chris's show, it sounds better. And it's, you know, so there's that thing too, which is I'm not just going to let this go now that I've got it sorted. I'm going to try to improve it and find a way to make it better. And part of that, I think that, you know, a lot of us, that's what we do. We are not happy if we're just, I mean, Kyle, you and I talked about this and it's sort of the, Hey, I'm going out to do SE stuff. And you're like, dude, I, this is a new world for me. I mix. What do I need to know? And it was just fundamentals. Like here's three, I gave you three things to think about. And you were like, I'm going to, every day I'm going to find one thing to make better. And I think that's the engineering mindset that we get passionate about and why we like to do this. We don't just go like, okay, perfect. I got it. I'm just going to let it coast. Like some people do that, but I think a lot of people aren't satisfied with that. They want to make it better. You know? Yeah. Those three things have, have saved my ass. And, and like both of you guys have said (laughs) in the beginning of this, this podcast is like, go out with the intention that you're going to walk away learning that for the next time. And it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm starting to notice this it's gear related. It's nomenclature related. Um, it's experience related. So there's, there's all kinds of little nuances to the questions that you ask or the whys at the end of the day that solidify you moving forward to the next one. And, um, I'm learning and I, I literally had a person that wasn't answering any questions that I had and with the fundamentals that I had, I just flew the rest of PA and it got up and there was only one hiccup with an amp rack that I wasn't familiar with and that got fixed. And it, it, it alleviated the, the, the question and answer process or that look in the eye roll when you do ask a question that might sound remedial to someone else, but it's really going to help you get to the next part of your gig right now. Um, and, and sometimes it's embarrassing, you know, Hey, where does this cable go? Why am I hooking this up? 
is this drive like but once you get the fundamentals of how it goes together like uh, slider positions pinning positions um everything goes up differently oh a single motor hang a double motor hang delta plates mm. like but once you do it so many times you pick up all those little like remedial fundamentals about that thing and it, it puts the pieces together and you don't feel as stupid asking those questions because you know now, oh, the fundamentals are there. I'm asking stuff outside the fundamental and that's just going to help it along. So, yeah, leaving to the next day has um, been super helpful. The three things that Michael shot me out the door with, uh, still doing them, still doing them. Man, I, I, uh, I think about H when we were out on the last one. Cause H is that old road dog who's got all the tricks, you know, and it's just like, I understand how to fly this BA and how the pins go and how the rigging goes. And like, I'm very comfortable with all that, but then you get like, Hey, this pin stuck. And you're like, H the pin stuck. And he's got this little random sequence of things that he does to get the pin out. And it's like, you want to sit here and fight with it for four minutes or you want H to come over and get it out in five seconds. And those are the things that's just like, that's the experience talking this dude has dealt with stuck pins on these boxes many times and he's just got it down to science. And, you know, we talked about this when we had him on the show, but it's like, all right, dude, swallow your pride and call him on the radio and have him come get it out for you. Like that's, that's the, that's the thing. Just get it going, you know, then move on to the next thing. Oh, H saved, H saved my ass. I mean, it was he and I in a shop for however many days to build that entire rig basically for that last run that we did. And it was just, I found myself asking him just so many little things of just how, how are, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this that way? You're familiar with the shop. You're familiar with this gear. And I think that was another thing that I picked up being going from like working for a company and like prep tech to like having to prep in somebody else's shop. That's a very different yep. feeling. So weird to walk in and be like, I know where nothing is. How, how many different I names are there for L2130? So many. Yeah. So many um, is what I've learned. Everything has 17 million names. None of them are the one you're calling it. Nope. Um, and it it was really a little bit of an eye-opening experience because I'm so used to being on the other end of that where people are like, why are you doing this this way or building this? And, you know, engineers ask questions all the time, which is really great for me to have to, I was working as a prep tech to have to verbalize it and explain why I'm doing what I'm doing and explain how it's going together. And that was something I really loved about that job. And then kind of coming in from the other side, it's really great to learn how all the different things that I haven't had to deal with. Like I had never had to take apart five SXL engines and rob the cars from them and put them all back together for the combination of cards we needed. Like I'd never had to fully take one out of the There's chassis. There's no shop training like, for that. No, but we had a fantastic prep tech who knew how to do it and he talked us through it and I did the rest of them. But it was, you know, I did one and H and I, like H and I did one and he did the other. And just the sheer amount of learning I did while building that rig was something I was pleasantly surprised by. Like it was really cool to get to put hands on everything in that context. Did you lose any of the tiny screws? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> nice. I I, but I travel with a little thing for when I do. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was really really cool. Um, and yeah, my question for you is going to be like, how 
how has it been mentally like stacking all these jobs on top of each other? Cause you just, you're always doing something else, man, which is really cool. Right. As he started doing arenas, like this, the tour hadn't even happened yet and was told, Hey, we've got a backline job open, which is drums and bass and guitar. And we've got an audio tech job open and this is the pay. And I was like, well, I've got a wife and two kids and I'm a big planner as far as that part of my life goes. And it's like, because this was just new in his career, I was like, I can't feed my family if you want this to be my only thing. Like if I don't have time to take other gigs, just taking one of these jobs won't work. So I was like, I'll take both. And they're like, oh, we'll call you back tomorrow. And they called me back after checking my references and they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, you can do all of it. So for the last three and a half years, I have been the RF monitor tech uh, slash audio tech, uh, occasionally flying PA when they need help, uh, the drum tech, the bass tech, and the stage left guitar tech. And that's been a lot. Yep. So, but the, the reality is, again, with that whole, like, try and learn something new every day, I... Wow. I like I got into this <laughs> yeah. whole thing. I started playing guitar when I was 10 years old and I thought Tom DeLonge and Billy Joe Armstrong were the coolest thing in the world. And so it's like, that's what I want to do. Like, And then I was like, oh, I'm not that good at this, so I'm going to go do this other stuff. And so that's how this all happened. But so all of that to say, I got this job doing all those things. And uh, this last show we did, Mercedes-Benz, the Atlanta Falcons Stadium, was my last show, guitar and bass teching. So I will, we've hired another dude. So now I will be RF monitor tech and drums. So it kind of grew from two jobs to what felt like three jobs. And I told him, hey, I'm comfortable doing two jobs, but doing three jobs right now feels kind of like a lot. And kind of when shit hits the fan, like there was a show where, Luke sweated out his ears and the drummer broke his snare and there was a guitar change coming up all at the same time. And it's like, cool, I'm going to take care of the boss because he's the boss. And drummer, you need to play your side snare for a while and then I'll come up there and swap that out and guitar player, you know, if I don't get to you, you just play the wrong guitar for a song, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And so it got to the point where the conversation was was had um, and went very well. And I was just trusted, yeah, I, which with, was great. With- so. Go ahead. Yeah, with all due respect to the Luke Combs camp, I mean, we're playing stadiums here. We could probably have. A yeah. Oh, for sure. Because <laughs> the guy that we're bringing in is our fourth <laughs> guitar tech, so we have three guitar techs stage right, and I was the one stage left. So it was not. It was. It was just a timing thing, and and it was one of those things where I could handle it, and I still probably could handle it. But it's just when that perfect storm happens, it's not worth that risk, and it's grown to that spot. So. Um, to answer your, what was your question again? Sorry. I just went a roundabout way of <laughs> forgetting. <laughs> just how has that been mentally? Cause that, does it ever feel like it's so, so much at one time? Cause you're not just paying attention to one thing, right? Like when I'm SE, like I, I'm concerned about PA in the front of house engineer and like, you know, that, that's it. If I'm flying PA, like you know, it's so easy to, I don't want to say hyper-focus, but it's very, very clear. Like you yeah. have one job, but you have so much more. Yeah. Mentally job. it's been, uh, mostly fine. I guess like if something, if shit does hit the fan, then after that happens, I'm often, I can get down and I can be like, man, 
why did this happen or why did I let, like, especially if it was something within my control and, you know, whatever, that sort of thing, I can get down. But for the most part, um, it's been pretty fine to be able to kind of split my head in three different directions, I guess, because I've just been so used to it for the last three years. Um, I'm looking forward to not having to split it in three directions and just split it two. But, um, I, man, I got into this whole thing doing a little bit of everything. Like my background, uh, once graduating college, I went to MTSU and did the whole audio thing. Um, and then I started doing uh, like production manager at a church. So I did that for seven years. And so there I was, it was a church of like 1,300 people. So not small, but not big. Or, I mean, in my eyes, not massive, you know, not like mega church. Um, so I knew everything about the lighting rig and everything about the video rig. And I'm the one who installed decimators on black magic switchers to understand how all that crap works, which I don't like video and I don't like audio, but I had to do it. Or sorry, I don't like video and I don't <laughs> like lighting. Uh, sorry. Yeah, that sounded bad. Wrong podcast. Sorry. No, what? No, so I just had to know all of it. And so that's why I, that's part of the reason why I still ask all these questions. It's like, without overwhelming myself, I do want to cram as much in my head as possible because I think at the end of the day, I like helping people. And so it's like our whole crew is very much a like, hey, if you're stuck, let's help each other. Like if, if there's too much going on today, whether that's mentally or just physically to do the job, let's like help each other. So I like learning about universes of lighting and blah, 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 and DMX addressing and all that junk. And I've production managed some small tours, you know, like van tours or one bus, one trailer type thing. And then I've been a stage manager. I've been a backline tech. I've been a set carp. Like I've kind of done everything. And so my head is already like kind of in that mode when I'm up there. Like I'm kind of looking at everything all the time, even though in this current tour, that's not my responsibility and I do have to stay in my lane, but I am just kind of trying to look at it from all angles and understand it, but then also like be ready to jump in and help when people need help. Yeah. I think it's important for anyone on tour production, corporate house of worship, you name it. Um, you should make a concerted effort to understand, uh, at least in concept, what is happening around you. Uh, because almost always uh, it will affect you or you will affect them in one way or another. Um, and, uh, and so being aware of, and, and, or even just so from an empathy standpoint, right? So as your career progresses and things like that, like you may just be the modern engineer or other positions, uh, and had you not, um, gone through the experience of doing some other positions, uh, you may, uh, tend to dismiss or treat like shit other people, things like that, because you're not understanding what they're going through and things like that. So I think all of those things are character building things that everyone should, um, you know, again, you don't have to have gone through the experience of being a backline tech, but you can get to know what the role is and what the, what the problems are and, and the cause and effect and, uh, of, of things that happen to them. So, I mean, it's, I think that's just a good way to proceed in this industry in, in general. Yeah. And I, I've spent, uh, a good portion of the time on this tour I'm on now, um, I'm friends, obviously, with everybody I work with, but um, I, being the one who, like, builds our IO racks and 
knows how everything is interfaced from audio standpoint, I know inside and out how every backline rig works. Because like my, my goal is like maybe it's just growing up in, in how I grew up, but it's like I like being the doctor on call. Like when something goes wrong, if you know, let's say one of the other backline guys has a guitar change coming up and I don't well, I guess not anymore, but in the time sure. don't and they have something go wrong and they need help, you better believe I'm running on stage to fix the buzzing out DI or, you know, whatever's happening even if that's their guy's stuff, you know, cause I just, you know, we're a team and I would like, if, if my stuff were breaking, I would want someone to help me if I wasn't in the moment to fix it right now. Like I couldn't do it. So it's just kind of a golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated sort of thing. Sweet. Kyle, have you come up with a question yet? Maybe. What is it? Are we there? No, I'm just, Is I don't know. Am I happen? jumping the gun? I'm just curious. It's, it's fine. Even if. Okay, well, I'm going to ask Dan some other stuff, too. I mean, it's we're close, so. It's like it's like when you're at the restaurant and you're like, okay. well, I, I you, go like, you know, I don't know what Dan. I want. So well, y'all there's four first. of like, you that's now, kind of where so we're the at. amount of questions. So just, you know, be, yeah, dude, go ahead. Close, so you're, you got to go out and mix uh, some friends of mine. I did. I filled in for your boy Ricky with All Time Low for a few shows. I did Bonnaroo, which was wild, and then flew to Toronto to do a co-headline show they did with Sum 41, which was loud as balls and really cool. So the reason I bring that up is because Dan brought up uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, and uh, he, he called me and he was like, dude, I got to mix all these songs from my teenage years, and I was just amazed, like, okay, you know. They're a fun band to mix. I'm glad you got to do that. Dude, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And I was trying not to sing along. No, like sing along. Stage left, like, knowing all the words and stuff. It's like good that. for your soul. It was awesome, though. Dude, those guys are the nicest, the nicest dudes. And I got some cool opportunities off of that. Sadly, I can't do it, but I got asked to do a gig at like Royal Albert Hall next month. That, again, sadly, I'm doing a Luke. Well, not sadly. I love the Luke thing, but I'm doing a Luke thing. But it's with pieces of the orchestra and all that stuff. But it's like, cool opportunities came from that but their guy their front of house guy phil is a nice dude and it was just a really it was a really great opportunity just to you know the luke thing it has enough breaks here and there that i can go do extra stuff and have some fun because i've been mixing for 15 years and on the luke gig i don't get to mix and that's totally fine i still love it and love all the people but i'll take the opportunity when i can to go push faders and make some music so Great for the soul, my man. You, the you I, I will say this about Dan before we I do my question. And I got it, Michael. You just chill. I got a question. <laughs> I know what I'm ordering. <laughs> um, Dan, Dan is one of the coolest audio humans ever. And like I said, we talk probably once a week, once every other week, text, whatever it is. Like, um, I've I've come to enjoy him and the voice and stuff that you hear tonight on the podcast is genuinely how Dan is all the time. Like this man is cool, calm, collected. He's well thought out. He definitely questions himself a lot, but he reaches out to friends and family for the granule of hope that he's doing things correctly. And, and we always leave the phone call feeling 
like we completed what we had to do that time and, and until next time like you are definitely one of the most passive cool audio humans ever like i don't even think you run out on stage i think you just kind of like float out there unbeknownst to anybody fix what you got to fix and they're like who was that masked man yeah i, like, I try not to run because then everyone thinks there's a, a problem that sort of yeah, thing and man. like I don't know, dude. I I appreciate you saying that. That's really nice of you. So I, I reached out to you for the first time, just talking about the whole like imposter syndrome thing. And I know yep. like we, you guys, I've been listening to your podcasts. I've listened since probably like twenty or something like that. Swag them down, Chris. Um, and and yeah, I I couldn't tell you the names of them, obviously, but uh, but yeah, just I reached out to Kyle just on a whim on Instagram. I was like, hey man, like. I think I'm doing it and I'm on this cool tour and it feels really cool, but like, am I doing it? Like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I mean, like that's a very passive way of how I said it, but yep. I, again, just with the whole, like we figure this out as we go, like we learn it as we go. It's like, man, do a lot of people realize that like I, I get a salary and most of the stuff I do, like I just had to learn myself. Like I went to school for audio and for mixing and learned a lot of fundamentals but it's like you show up every day and you figure it out and if it works cool and if it doesn't work okay you ask your friend or you hop on the internet or you do whatever you need to do to make it happen and to get better but that's like a a real question in my head and another thing like i've texted kyle is hey man i don't mix on the tour i'm on and I want to be respected by mixing people. So if I'm not respected by them, did I fail? Did I like mess up? And the reality is all those guys that I'm friends with that mix or that are now asking me to sub to mix, like they all look at me and they're like, yeah, dude, you're cool. We're good. But it's like in your head, you see blah, 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 A-list top 10 engineer on the internet all the time. And I, I'm I'm convinced that comparison is kind of like the death of our hope a little bit sometimes that comparison only goes so like, far yeah it's like I, well yes I, I that's and we we've touched on that in terms of even just like the whole like uh the sc thing or whatever right it's like um michael talked about um when he mentioned that he was now like mixing for miguel or whatever it's like oh you're doing front of house now like as if like that was the ultimate pinnacle promotion or whatever as opposed to oh well you're just the sc Right, you know, or you're just the RF tech, or you're just the fly tech, or you're like that, that just part, you know, like I've, I've said this 20 plus times at this point, you know, there are PA fly techs that that's all they do. This guy Fumi, you know, these other guys, it's all they do. And that's what that they do. You can make a perfectly good career uh, and be fully um, respected. So I'm curious, what did you, so I'm, um, since you've listened for a while, you probably know this. I am all about the introspective thinking. <laughs> cool. Um, Same. Uh, maybe, maybe almost to a fault. Um, but um, what did you learn about yourself through that? Were you able to progress? What was um, other places you've been able to land through that introspective thinking? What? Um, and if you might share, like, what what are you still wrestling with introspectively? As well? Yeah, I mean, to the. I guess I would say. I'm, I don't know, I'm a percentage guy, so like maybe 70% through it or something like that, where I feel like, how do I say this? Not quite Buddha. 
people, how do I say this? Like, I'm saying this as humbly as possible. People keep calling me and they're happy with the end result. And that has been enough for me to be like, okay, then I guess I know what I'm doing. Like, I'm very fortunate that every artist I've worked with, every person I've filled in for, literally everything I've done, when I leave, people were like, oh, cool, that was really good. Even if there were some mistakes here and there, overall, it was mm-hmm. a much more positive experience than negative experience. And I'm very grateful for that. And I think that's a little bit of just a God-given ability to think on my toes, maybe. Like, maybe that's something that helps, but just try, again, to be normal. Like, not being this, like, push up my glasses nerdy guy talk to people who don't get that because i do a bunch of corporate av stuff and it's like that business lady there thinks her powerpoint's gonna save the world so i have to just (laughs) talk to her about like her powerpoint saving the world you know and just be kind and be normal and not talk to her about the directionality of the lavalier mic i'm putting on her because she doesn't give a crap you know like that that sort of stuff so um man i guess i would say like a big part of that that's helped, even though they probably don't know this, is Zeus and Todd on our tour, front of house guy and monitor guy, um, are they treat me like I'm one of them. Like I have asked, hey, can we switch vocal mics on Luke because of RF, this is going to be better. And they're like, yeah, dude, whatever you think is best, great. They're not like, no, I'm the guy and screw you and we're not going to do that. It's working as it is. They're like, hey, man, let's try it. If it's going to be better, it's going to be better. That's cool. I'm like, sweet. I can now change the frequency of his mic while it's in his hand. Like if he starts having issues, I can do that sort of stuff. Like, And they're like, yeah, that's a great enough reason to do it. Let's do it. And so those guys, like I think unbeknownst to them, the way that they treat me has made me feel like, hey, even though I'm not mixing, they treat me like a team member like number three who's not like this lower than person or less than person and when i go mix at churches because i still do that when i'm home um i walk in and i do my thing as long as it fits with what they're going for and they're like whoa it's never sounded like that and i'm like cool it worked like i guess i do know so it's there's a lot of self-doubt in there but just the more you do it over and over and over again i do think you kind Mm -hmm. of like convince yourself that it's okay and that's why covid sucked because it was like i sat home and i did all these trainings and i did dante blah 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 and tried to get certified in this that and the other but it's like man i haven't put my hands on this stuff in a while like am i good at this is this like the thing that i know how to do and then came back and it's like okay yeah it's all still there i didn't forget anything like it all works i've gotten better that's great and so i think just a big part of it is working through it yourself and asking mm-hmm. for help as often Captain as possible. Questions because I think people view help as weakness, and that's not true. I, yeah, I would. I, I, I'm curious. Um, I think the other thing that, with asking with help um, is uh, being okay with being wrong. Right, I mean that's uh, th- that is going to happen whether or not you're okay with it. Is the way yeah. I think about that. <laughs> I, I know, but uh, but it's you know if but if you <laughs> can sure. give yourself permission before you go into that yeah. to be wrong, yeah. that's it's a big deal because that's the prerequisite face, for learning something. We, but we we have egos as audio humans. Right, we don't like to be wrong, or just people in general to be wrong. But I mean, it's exacerbated. I feel like within you know our industry, um, I, I liked um, 
TikTok. <laughs> um, Adam Grant um, had a post recently. It says, uh, imposter syndrome is, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. It's only a matter of time until everyone finds out. Growth mindset, I don't know what I'm doing yet. It's only a matter of time until I figure it out. Um, you know, the highest highest form of self-confidence is believing in your ability to learn. Now, I know there are some different facets people argued about. That's not the exact definition of imposter syndrome, but I liked it to that. I feel like if people are struggling with imposter syndrome to lean into, um, hey, I'm not wrestling with imposter syndrome. I'm wrestling with growth. It's like I'm going lean into the to the growth part of that. I'm going to figure this out and not worry about what people do or don't know about that scenario. It's brilliant. Oh yeah, I mean it's a again with the make it yes, up as you. Yes. It's not a make it up as you go. It's a figure out as you go, and we just like, man, like short story. I had the probably biggest mistake as an RF guy I've ever had about three weeks ago. And working for Luke, it all worked out fine. And again, he's like the nicest dude ever. But the band is walking to stage left. Um, they're all hanging out and the intro track has started, which is ACDC's Thunderstruck. It's a condensed version and it's like 90 seconds. And that's like the walk-in and Luke comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, none of us can hear. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I, I, I on my mic, on my pack, I used, yep. uh, the Q mix for, or the, what's it called? Engineer mode or whatever. And I can cycle through, listen to every frequency, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Maybe Zeus muted your stuff. I don't know. So I page through and I'm like, man, I can hear all your stuff fine. I'm like, can I see your pack? And he holds it up and there's no blue light. And I'd say my eyes, I actually have a picture that our photographer took of like my face, just like everything drains away from it. It's like, oh crap. And so I'm like, everybody give me your pack, give me your pack, give me your pack. So I get the eight packs from the band members across the downstage edge, like sprint across the stage and start tossing them over the console to Zeus. Like, sink the packs, sink the packs. I forgot, I forgot. It's my fault, it's my fault. I did it. And like, so I'm, I mean, this is an A-list tour and Dan makes a dumbass, stupid mistake. And I'm like handing them to him. He sinks four of them. I sink four of them. I like sprint back across the stage. Like, all right, Luke, here's your, Corey, here's yours, Tyler, here's yours. Like pass them all out. They like turn them on put them on their belts, plug in their ears, and it goes, you've been thunderstruck, and they walk right on stage. And it's like, I apologized to everybody 10 times. I was like, I'm so sorry. That made a stressful moment. I'm so sorry. And Zeus was like, hey, man, you technically <laughs> still did your job. It wasn't like the most opportune time, but you did do it. Um, and I went up to Luke afterwards, and I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. He's like, man, not a mm. single person in the crowd knew that happened. You're all good. We had a show. It was great. I appreciate you figuring it out. And if it was someone else who maybe would have fired me or been like, no, screw you, blah, blah. It's like, so that, that's a different situation, you know? I have, I have witnessed, I have witnessed a monitor tech get fired for much, much less than that. A very similar thing, but single channel didn't get put where it was supposed to go and they were fired immediately. So yeah, that, that it does happen. Um, but yeah. And so that that's one of those, like, as far as the imposter syndrome thing is like, I know I'm going to make a mistake. It just happened. Like it, it happens, but maybe it's just because I'm in such a good environment right now that mistakes aren't by any means encouraged, but they are like, okay, what we learn? Let's move forward. Let's not do that. It's like, you better believe that's not happening ever again. you like, you know, that sort of stuff. Well, yeah. It, 
it goes to the we you know uh, so you know I work for a production company right and so we review every job that happened the week prior and every management meeting right and uh, and the, you know look issues are going to happen right I, I don't care how good of a people company gear whatever issues are going to happen um, and one thing I'll give credit to like you know our COO and stuff he's like hey it's not you know it's not how you start it's how you finish or it's not how um, it's it's um, I mentioned this like even like on our um, our 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 Zoom we did, call we just did was uh you know my biggest thing I would say to myself hey I can't control what's happening but I can control how I respond right and so mo- most people who um, have are good professionals or decent humans recognize that at, at the end of the day um, it's it's how you responded to the situation when an issue occurred um, or how you finished as opposed to when you know focusing on the mm-hmm. issue itself so I mean that's uh, it look and, and like, like Michael said not everyone uh, you know sees it that way um, but fortunately I feel like there are a lot of camps there are a lot of people who do um and um yeah, I, yeah, I think so that's, that's been a big a big uh growth in our industry that I've seen and again I don't work for everybody I don't know everybody out there and how everybody reacts but I do feel like the amount of grace and the amount of humanity I guess mm-hmm. that is now in touring that yep. maybe wasn't there 5 10 for sure 20 years ago I mean before I was touring you know like that has been a progress for the better, you know. I, uh, yeah. I'm only going to share this because I, I have a feeling that it will be helpful to somebody somewhere. Um, but for me, at least personally, Is it's it about not Cooper? about Cooper, the uh, <laughs> kid that was sat next to me on a plane today and farted the entire way. Um, <laughs> uh, Cooper the pooper. Cooper uh, the pooper. Bad. Um, uh, so. To me personally, there is never a point where I'm like, yep, I got this. It's totally in the bag. There is every single job, every single gig, every single, even it could be a speaking engagement, whatever it is, there's always a bit of me that goes, hope I don't fuck this one up. Like there's always an element there. And I've done some dumb shit with, with PA deployments and I've, you know, and so I don't think there's necessarily a point when you get past that and you're like, yep, it's fucking going to be perfect from here on out. Like I am every single gig questioning myself if I'm going to screw something up. And part of that's healthy. I think if you are not at all thinking about, am I doing a good job? I'm making right decisions. Like you might be getting a little too comfortable and and that's probably Mm -hmm. how bigger fuck ups happen. But I just don't want anybody to think that because they are experiencing that self doubt that like they haven't made it yet because like, you know, uh, I will probably have that in my mind for every gig I do for the rest of my career. So if you're waiting for that to go away, maybe it's not going to, and that's totally fine. Um, And that's what keeps you on your toes because we have to act fast to fix stuff. I mean, or like, or even just to make decisions sometimes, sometimes it's not like, well, let me bust out the computer and, spend 30 minutes figuring out what the best option is it's like no you asked me a question and i have to give you an answer in the next 10 seconds we just have to be on our toes and so i think if you get complacent that's where things overwhelm you or things like hit you too fast catch you off guard too hard and catch you off guard whereas like 
hey man, I'm ready at any given moment to, to kind of like do, you know, do the thing and be ready. And I, I try to not be comfortable. Like we do shows and occasionally it feels like it's a show on autopilot and I'm like, wow, what a blessing. That's really great. Cause that's not like that way all the, like even close to all the time. And even then it's like, okay, this is going really well. I'm on my toes ready for it to not go well because man, like stuff just breaks. We're basically just using a bunch of computers now. Like that's kind of what everything is. That's what consoles are. That's what <laughs> what's in amplifiers. Now it's like sometimes you have to turn the computer off and back on again. Or you know, sometimes you know, so we're just kind of got to be ready for computers to not be happy. Well, and Mike, we talked about this some cuz, you know, yeah. like I just went and did something where I didn't have a lot of experience doing it. And that's an understatement. So that was a really great learning experience and opportunity, but I, for the whole time, and I still don't feel like super, I never want to be too comfortable, right? Like I, I feel like I can do the thing, which is great, but it's now like, I, n- I never want to get to that autopilot. I never want to check out because like the second you start to, something will crash and burn. Like it's, and it's always the show critical thing. Sure. Like it's something will happen mm-hmm. and you're going to have to fix it right in 0.2 seconds. Like that is, that has to have been fixed as of yesterday. And that happened a couple times and it was definitely one of those things where it's like, all right, we're in the rack. Like I'm the system's fine. The system will continue to be fine. Sure. If it's not, I will fix it. This has to be fixed right now. And I'm, going to stand beside this thing and make sure it stays up and it's it is sometimes the fun yet stressful part of our job you know i i do enjoy fixing things uh hopefully not during show but you know sometimes that's necessary (laughs) and i think dan and we talked a little bit about it too is just i'm learning that no one ever totally feels like they know what they're doing which brings me personally a lot of comfort um and I will say this, that everybody I've talked to, everybody's like, man, we're all just figuring it out. And I take a lot of comfort in that, that we're all collectively, we don't have the answers. Everybody together, nobody is, has it all figured out. And every single person I've talked to is like, oh yeah, I've been exactly where you are. I totally know how you're feeling. This is, <laughs> this is what I did. Maybe this will help because and every single person's been like that. So it, it's, I think, really easy to feel like we're on an island and Kyle, we talk about this. It's like, it's so easy to just sit there in the corner and be yep. like, man, you know, this is, this is stressful and hard. Sam and I, Sam and I came up with a thing, I think, on our last phone call that was really interesting. And I think it might help a lot of people going forward is to try to cut out the whys. Like I said earlier, that was Sam and I on the phone. It was like, you sit and question yourself, why? Why did that happen? Did I do something? Did something go wrong? Did I not prepare? Did I? You need to cut some of those whys out because those are the ones that are going to drag to the next day and you can't have those things dragging the next day. Like, figure out which whys you can cut out. Like, the variables are too much for even a decision to be made. And sometimes you don't want to hear the decision. There goes that, that audio ego mentality. Like you don't want to hear that you're wrong or you don't want to hear that someone else made a wrong judgment or whatever. So you need to cut some of those whys out of the equation. 
like at the end of the day, we're do, we're there to do a job, right? So, and and like you said, everything's very tactile, and this will lead right into the question yeah. that I prepared, Michael, because <laughs> uh, I read the menu. Yes. Um, and we'll, I, I love that Cooper the paper came out. That was I was funny. texting him like that fucking stinks. <laughs> try, try to. Nice. <laughs> um, if you can navigate through the whys and quit questioning yourself and being so hard on yourself about certain things that the the answer, if you get it, you probably won't like it anyways. But finding closure on a problem that you had during a show, navigate that and see if the why really makes a difference at that point. Because if not, you're just going to beat yourself up. It's the it's the whole essence of, you know, man, do I really know what I'm doing? Do I not know what I'm doing? Why are they why is this happening like quit, what, quit what's it. what's the word for that it's, it's not it's not anxiety what would what would be the word for that it's fucking nightmare whatever it is i know but there's gotta be uh it's gotta is be like a pillar would that be self-deprecation yeah. nah, i mean maybe that i don't know it's kind of yeah. self-doubt it's self-doubt yeah. there you go yeah it's self-doubt, self-doubt. there we go we yeah. got there collectively don't want to know the answer to the why so my well, qu- I, the reason i asked is because sorry the reason i asked is that um I want to give grace or space for people who actually wrestle with anxiety. And so I can imagine that here we are preaching or saying that, um, while yes, it is healthy to be on a little edge or a little unsure, unsteady, you know, for that self-awareness for some people uh, that can be perpetuated to be, um, uh, tenfold when you Mm -hmm. wrestle with anxiety. So like, I, um, and I don't know what to say about that, but I just it, that comes to mind of like for some people, I could see how yeah. you know that that can be a, a problem that we have to you know, also face hand in hand with accepting the fact that this is also a healthy well, I mean, state to be. The in. one, the one I, thing I will I just, say on that yeah. is that it's in my mind, it's it's okay to be a little uncomfortable, right? It's not okay to get to the point where it's consuming you and it's taking more energy that you're not using, right? Because when we talk about being a little uncomfortable, that's staying on edge, staying on top of your game, that's paying attention. Like the backseat of a Volkswagen? (laughs) Yeah, it's that thing that goes, man, are we- Sorry, that's a Mallrats reference, sorry. Are we, you know, it's the the thing that goes, all right, like I'm I'm ready to go. It's it's right in line with that adrenaline. Whereas anxiety just beats you up. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. takes out so much energy, and you don't you don't get any of that adrenaline from it. You don't There's got to be a psychological back. term for it, though. You're right. There's got to be a term for that instance, and maybe we could address it better if we knew that term and and the underlying stuff from it. We can ask mm-hmm. the Discord. I think we call it. A, I think self deprecation yeah. sounds right. Kyle, I, mean, I am but, on the edge of. I don't. You can't see because of the angle of my camera, but I'm on the edge of my seat to hear your question right now. Okay, so... <laughs> also, I think Hurry Mike up. wants to go eat something, I think is also what Either this is trying to now. get at. No, I got up at 2 a.m., and, and then I got <laughs> jet-lagged by three hours, so I'm falling asleep, it's but Kyle's it's very voice. soothing. It's very yeah, relaxing, Mike. Kyle's voice, yeah. He sniffed methane from a nine-year-old. So I'm going to take a culmination of everything that we've done before, um, and... I, I love the work-life balance thing because we're having a lot of people on that have families and stuff that going on at home. Forecasting yourself, and we talked about the roadmap, and I always like going back to the map that Brandon did uh, 
Yep. How's it good? Well. Yep. It was like enlightening because we, we, we try to live in the moment because we're service providers. So we're providing a service for the moment. So forecasting our existence past the moment is kind of difficult to navigate. And like you said, when you took the job, you, um, you did what was best to move forward with the family by doing that. When, when you look at yourself, you've been doing this for almost 20 years. Yeah. 15, 20 years. Uh, 15. Let's go with 15. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's just an arbitrary number. Yeah. Forecast yourself. Like I'm 50 years old. Where, like I never imagined where I'd be today. This is, this is all new to me. I'm living a whole thing. So this is like Miss Cleo meets lost. Like the plane's not going to crash, but forecasting yourself where for, for, for the record, Miss Cleo should be on the bingo card. So uh, the episode is going to come up before this. Pat mentions about we need a signal to noise bingo card. Miss Cleo needs to be yes, a square yes. on this. Anyway, sorry, Kyle. <laughs> where do you see yourself at 50 with this work-life balance? The kids are going to be older. You and your wife are going to be doing completely different things than you're doing right now. Uh, different anxieties. Where do you see yourself at 50 in this business or away from this business? I hope to still be in this business. In 15 years, I will be 50, so I am 35. Um, so that's a, that math worked out well. Um, man, I hope wherever I'm, wherever I am, that I'm not in a spot financially where I have to be doing something that brings me anxiety or makes me angry or you know that sort of thing. So like, I, I love my wife and my kids. And one of the great things about my tour that I'm on now is like, I am not in a management position. So when I am home, I am just home. We do like 50 to 60 shows a year. And so maybe a hundred days of traveling and then I'm home the rest of it. And I really do my best to like fully disconnect. Like I might get off the bus or get off of a flight at, 11 p.m. and then I'm up the next morning at 6 a.m. getting the kids out the door to go to school. Like I try to be dad the second I I get home knowing that I get to be dad over FaceTime when I'm gone and that's kind of the best version I can give of myself then. So Are those in, rules or boundaries that you kind of set for yourself to move to that 50-year mark? Yeah, I think so because, um, man, I everyone I tour with right now is like, they're just like, I'm lucky. They're like the greatest people. We're like a family and we really are like Luke has told us like, Hey, if I can keep you guys around forever, I'm keeping you around forever. Like he treats us well. We treat each other. Well, the goal is to kind of keep doing bigger shows, but maybe a little less of them. Not, not like officially, but like if you do a stadium, that is the one show for the weekend. That's not, you're not like, at least we're not leapfrogging three stadiums in a weekend, that sort of thing. Um, to have a family that feels loved more than they are now. I don't want that to be a broken situation. And it's really hard to say this, but you better believe I'll leave this industry in a heartbeat. If that's what my kids and my family need, they know I love this and they know that I'm a better dad for doing the things that I love to do. Um, but if push came to shove, it's them a hundred percent of the time, every time, like that's, that's the choice. Um, so in 15 years, I'd love to be either still with the crew I'm with now or, you know, mixing on something else and still filling side time doing that. Like, I don't I don't really know. I, I would like to say I've 
become Captain Question, so maybe I'd have the opportunity to production manage something someday, like on a bigger scale, but there's also parts of that that really stress me out. And when you guys talk about like what brings you anxiety, I'm very fortunate right now to be in a job where I love every part of what I do and I don't have anxiety. I feel like if my phone was ringing for 11 hours a day every single day, because, man, when we do these Mm. stadiums, like there's 15 trucks of production and 20 trucks of staging. And I mean, it's like, I don't want to be the dude in charge of 35 trucks and 10 buses and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's a lot. Like, and to me, that does not sound fun. But maybe like on the side, if I'm if this Luke thing is still going, being able to, you know, I would love to production manage and mix monitors on like a two truck, two bus tour. That'd be a blast. Like that'd be a lot of fun. And that would be able to scratch the itch of what I'm not doing now. But I mean, just the, man, the people I'm with now are the people that I could, I mean, it's like my family. Like I could see myself being their family for as long as they'll let me be in their family, if that makes sense. It's awesome. Is that okay, Michael? Sweet. Um, well I done. I think that was great, Kyle. I think you did a good job. Thank no you question. for your contribution. Um, before we wrap up, Sam, uh, shout out to Audux. Sam has joined the uh, most comfortable headphones in the world They're club. Fantastic. Pair of A150s there. She tried mine on and she's like, these are amazing. I, like, I, I like, well, you're not need a pair them. of these. If you so. want to keep, I was like, I, I need a pair of these or there's someone else I will request <laughs> to borrow them long term and they may not so be returned. Thank you. Thank you to Audix <laughs> for everyone else's. Yes, iPhones. we're taking, yes, Audix is taking uh, very good care of us with, uh, with their headphones. And uh, that's a, nice. uh, you have a shiny new microphone, don't you? Actually. I do. What do you got? It's an A13- A133. Oh. oh. Cool. That's what we've been talking about on the intro for. So that's that's what we've been. Yes. So it's what you've been listening to. So if you want to hear everything we talk about in the intro, just just listen. I'm going to I haven't heard myself through this built in laptop, mic, but I'm going to wager it does not sound nearly as good. So sorry. It's a little loud, but it's Uh, great, too. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. That's just my call. That makes sense. I'm trying to kind of get used to it. I'm trying to get close so the air conditioner won't be overwhelming later when we mix it. Dan, my question for you, I'm going to change it up since you've been on the show before. Ooh. Yep, we're going to go in a different direction. And none of y'all saw this shit coming. For, yeah, for the record, I, like I, I just, I, I just I like checked, by the way, it was yes. a year ago. Like, the line. A year ago that mm-hmm. we had the Luke Comp. Like, that's crazy, yeah. by the way. Yeah. A year has yeah. been since you all been on the podcast. Like, holy. Yeah, like, yeah 186 boxes of brown boxes later we, in we, the round. Uh, we we were texting the day we were trying to help hook people hook people over the gig and I was, we were trying to pass Fletcher a gig right and the person was texting me I was like oh yeah by the way he was on a podcast and I looked it up I'm like holy shit that was two years ago <laughs> anyway <laughs> nice. all right Dan, illusion go ahead Michael. first answer that pops wow. in your head I don't want you to think about it too long I want to go with your gut here follow your heart uh, Batman or Superman Batman yo yeah. yes. <laughs> The new, Very the good, new one good. crushed. I don't, I, I don't care it. what you guys think about Robert Pattinson. I thought that movie I liked was great. It. I liked it. it I watched enjoyable. it three times. Dark Knight was great too. So, Dan, did, did I, did I do the legacy question yes. when you guys were on, yeah. or did I, had I not, had yes. I started that when you guys were on? Okay. But All right. Do you have a different answer? No, 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 now? no, no. no. I'll, I'll do a different question. Um, 
if you what is one show if you could go back and experience again because that experience was in a, a pinnacle what what was it and describe that experience that's a good one hmm. wow that's a good question like what's the what's the hair stand on your back moment that just uh, that maybe it is maybe he doesn't have hair. You want his back, to tell? And I don't have much, but okay. So I will say yeah, in two thousand and seven, I saw <laughs> Paramore right after Riot came out at cool. um what's the Nashville place? What the heck? Um, what's that club? Why does it? Everyone knows what that club is. Rocket oh, Town. The, Sorry, Rocket Town. Um. Dude, just like that was the first time I had heard what to me was like pretty pristine audio quality live from a, I guess, you, like a pop punk ish. By no means are they a heavy band. I don't mean that, but like not a piano vocal, you know, not like a simple thing. Like I mm-hmm. saw that and there was an energy in that show that was mind blowing. And to this day, mm. I still remember that show as because it's the type of music I was listening to at the time. Like, wow, live, this can be better than a record. That's really, really cool. So to this day, like that show stands out to me. That might really, have been, uh, really wild. Ronnie, Ronnie. Do you know who was mixing? Was that edit? It might have been Rodney, Gar- Ronnie Gardner. Hmm. Cool. And uh, Michael, to answer your other question, I would take you to Lucky <laughs> Thai, or we would go to Brothers Ramen because they have some of the best steam buns in Ooh. town. I could, I, I could rock some ramen right now. Are they like pork barbecue bu- sticky buns? Yeah, they're like the, the oh. sticky ones that they steam and they bring out in that like, it's not wood, but it's almost like a wicker, bamboo, wicker. basket bamboo thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Dude, it's so good. It's real good. Dan, thanks, man. This is really fun. I appreciate yeah, you. Thank you guys for having on. me. It was, it's dude. great to be among people who I respect, and so I thank you for letting me be a part of it. Oh, that was nice. I like you because you said Batman. That's cool. I mean, 